Good morning. I have a cold this morning, so bear with me. And you can also keep a safe distance, that'd be fine. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that each of you are here with us for worship today. The poinsettia that is in front of the pulpit here um, is given in honor of Daniel Green by Richard and Linda Green. And so we wanted to recognize that and honor Daniel today in our service. We are certainly glad that each of you are here with us today, and I pray that each of us would prepare our hearts now as we prepare to worship our Lord. Thank you. 
Will you pray with me? Gracious God, you are the Prince of Peace who lives and reigns forever. As we journey together, we pray you would steal our fears, heal our wounds, and fill our spirits. Sense forth your perfect peace in our unsettled world throughout this Advent season. Amen. Our hymn is hymn number 132. It came upon the midnight clear, 132. If you are able, please stand and join in singing.
Good morning. I ask the children to come forward for lesson on the steps. How are you today? Man, y'all are all getting decked out for Christmas. But I brought something with me today and I might need your help. What do we do with the broom? Sweep. Sweep. And why do we sweep? Because it makes a lot Might be. Do you sweep at your house? Um, yes. Yes. I have a different broom. You have a different broom. Okay. But why do we sweep? Because, um, um, because... Do we need to clean our house? Yeah, because... Yes, we do, don't we? Oh, yeah, well, I don't want any bugs. But I got lots of other stuff too. What do we do with all this stuff? Spray. Spray and what are we doing? Spray the bathroom. But are we cleaning our bathroom? No. No? I think we might be better clean our bathroom. But we clean our furniture with this, don't we? Yeah. It catches doggy hairs. Yeah, it probably does. But when does mommy really, really clean? When company's coming? We clean our house, don't we, right now? Because we have lots because we have lots of company coming. But who's coming to this house? Jesus. Who is coming to this house? Jesus. And what do we do to get ready? We clean the house, but what else do we do? Look around you, what do you see? Flowers and decorations. We decorate and we get ready. We clean our house. Okay, slow down. With the vacuum. Well, Miss Ellen didn't carry the vacuum in here. She just brought the broom today. But we need to remember something else we have to clean. What's in here? Our heart. And who are we putting in our heart every day? God and people and Jesus. So we have to clean our heart like we clean our house and then we put Jesus in it. I want to read you a verse out of the Bible. Matthew 3, it says, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. So when we clean out our heart, just like we clean our house, we are preparing ourselves for Jesus. And who's coming? Jesus is coming. Um, I know he's coming when it's um, Christmas Eve. That's exactly right. He's coming. So let's pray. Jesus, as we prepare for you, as we clean our house, we clean our hearts. We get ready for you. We know that God loves us. He loves our church, our families, and we thank you for that every day. Thank you for these children and the excitement that fills their hearts and their lives every day. Keep them safe, protect them. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Our next hymn is hymn number 85, Christians All, Your Lord is Coming. 
This may not be as familiar of a tune as a lot of the songs we sing during Advent and Christmas, but it has a very nice Advent theme as well as it talks about peace. I'll give you a little hint. The first line, the second line, and the third line are all the same tune. The third one is the only one that has a little bit different melody. So I know y'all can catch on really fast if you don't know it. Hymn number 85, Christians All, Your Lord is Coming. Please stand if you are able. Like you knew it, I'll invite you all to come to choir practice. <laughs> Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I am thankful to be in your house to worship you. 
What a blessing to have the freedom to worship in this beautifully decorated sanctuary. Thank you for the peace and safety we enjoy in our country. During this season, we are reminded of the gift of salvation, the gift of baby Jesus, and the promise of eternal life. Peace will be received as we seek a deeper relationship with you, our Lord and Savior. Open our eyes to the needs of others and the willingness to share your word. Help us to listen when you speak to us and, give, and to give back not only of our tithes, but of our talents. Thank you for the offering we are about to receive. In Christ's name we pray. Ensemble Praise Band, I'm not sure that your official title, but thank you. That was absolutely wonderful. During the month of December, as a church family, many of you know that we collect and participate in offering for international or global missions. This is a time where we give back to those who serve on the field, 
in many different ways, many of which are serving in hopeless and very uh, places where peace is not present. And so just want to challenge you and encourage you as a church family to be mindful. You can give any time throughout the month, but also on the 29th of this month, we will collect and have our end gathering offering for international missions. Also want to mention something else that just can be fun and, and help us as a church family to uh, enjoy the Christmas season. But uh, several years ago, we had a Christmas sweater Sunday. Yes, some of you don't want to remember that Sunday. Others think it think well of it. But we would like to bring back that Christmas sweater Sunday. So on December the 22nd, the Sunday before Christmas, you are encouraged to wear your Christmas sweaters that Sunday. Um, so I'll just leave it at that. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. If you have your Bible, you can turn to the one in the pew there, or it will be on the screen. But Isaiah 11, 1 through 10 uh, each, each phrase, each word in this passage has significant meaning. Uh, we could be here for quite some time in dissecting all of that, and, but we, I just want you to, to read it with attentiveness and read it with, um, I'm going to read it a little bit slower, but just take in the message that the prophet Isaiah is speaking not only to his generation, but is also speaking to us today as well. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he will judge the poor. And there it means act on their behalf and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid, or the young goat. The calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, or the cobra, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's, or the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Let's pray together. God, last Sunday you invited us to join you on your sacred holy mountain. We find ourselves there once again today. A hopeful mountain where humankind would not learn the ways of war anymore. Today, as we continue our journey, our journey to Bethlehem, to the birth of our Savior, you invite us to pursue and walk a path of peace. We thank you for reconciling us to the Father and allowing your peace to reign and rule in our hearts. We confess we often seek things and people to bring us the peace that only you can provide. So God, please forgive us. As we move closer to Christmas, help us not to be people who simply resonate and recite the words, peace on earth and goodwill toward men, but help us to live this out in our everyday lives. God, we're in desperate need of your peace in our homes, 
churches, communities, and throughout the world. Help us and equip us as your people to be instruments of peace. To those wrestling with grief this morning, provide comfort. Walk with the Blackburn family in our church as we continue to grieve the loss of Bob. God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Emmanuel, God with us. Help us to claim the promises of peace found within you and your word. As we do receive funds for international missions this month, bless those serving on the mission field. Many serving in areas where peace does not exist. Protect and provide for these missionaries and help them to be bold in proclaiming the good news of your love in Jesus Christ. God, you alone know our hearts this morning and you know the areas where peace is absent. Fill each heart today with your peace, a peace that is found in an ongoing relationship with you. We commit to you our singing, our praying, scripture reading and sermon. Speak to us now individually and corporately in ways that we need to be spoken to, ways that would lead us all toward your perfect peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, choir. I asked the congregation to be in prayer for the choir. This next Sunday is the cantata, so you guys have a busy week this week. And I pray for Candy and the musicians and all who will be participating and encourage you to not only be here, but to bring someone with you. It would truly be a wonderful day and uh, just want to encourage you to plan on being here. We're entering a, uh, we're in a series this December, this Advent called Sacred Locales, a journey to Bethlehem with some landmarks through the book of Isaiah. And uh, last week we referenced some landmarks here in our country as well that just had significance to the sermon and I want to do that as I begin this morning as well. But some of you know this in history, but there's a sacred locale to some in our country uh, and that sacred locale, there's many of them, but uh, one of them is in Plymouth, uh, Plymouth Church in Brooklyn, New York. If you read the Reflections devotional that our church provides, some of you read that, some of you read Open Windows and some of you have your own devotional. But in that devotional, it talked of a church in Plymouth, it was called Plymouth Church in Brooklyn, New York, that was uh, the great northern, uh, what was it called? The great northern depot of the Underground Railroad. Uh, Plymouth Church used its basement to harbor runaway slaves as they made their way to freedom. And during these tours, the guide will often, as they're down in the basement, turn the lights off and ask those participating in the tour to imagine being a slave and being in that dark room and hearing steps coming down, not knowing if it's supper, not knowing if they're gonna take them back to, from whence they escaped, or knowing if someone was gonna take them to their next location. The devotion reads, when they heard footsteps, how did they know whether this person again would be taking them to the next stop, bringing them supper, or returning them to the place from they had escaped? In the concluding verse of last Sunday's text, Isaiah 2.5, we read, come house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. We were there last week in Isaiah 2. As we read further, we uh, move through Isaiah. Isaiah 6 talks about Isaiah's call. Isaiah 9 verse 2 reads this, like this. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. The prophet Isaiah reminds us that God is always leading people out of darkness and into light. We have naturally made lights a significant part of our season, of our Christmas season. Last Sunday night, we had a wonderful service in here and we uh, began the service where none of the greenery was lit and ended with all the greenery lit and went outside to light a large Christmas tree. 
And then we, were, and we did all of that while we were holding our own candles as well. We light our homes both inside and out. And I'm seeing a lot of that throughout Boiling Springs as well. But um, as Christians, there are different ways that we are messengers of God's light. And one of the most obvious ways, one of the ways that should be apparent in your life and in mine is for us to be people of peace, people who pursue peace, people who promote peace, both through our words and our actions. I ask you, church, this morning, honestly, is there anyone in need of some peace this morning? We long for peace in our world, in our communities, in our church, in our churches, and in our homes, in our very lives. In 1945, I referenced the United Nations building last week, but in 1945, the United Nations was established. And one of its primary goals was to maintain global peace and help facilitate harmony between the nations. And these are approximate numbers, I've read it different ways, but in approximately 4,000 years of recorded history, only 286 of those years have been without war. War is normal for nations, and unfortunately war is normal for many of us. Sometimes we're at war inside ourselves. Sometimes that war could be domestic, between a husband and wife, between parents and children. Wars exist between races and between social classes and between those with opposing political views. I came across a very sad quote this week from Lloyd Corey's quote unquote, and it says, peace is the glorious moment in history when everybody stands around reloading. That's a terrible quote. It's awful. Isaiah knew something about unrest. He was preaching a message of repentance and he knew that only a remnant would hear and respond. If you go back and read in chapter 10 of Isaiah and you read just ahead of where today's text ended in Isaiah 11, you read about this remnant. And what I love in the Old Testament is in the, even in the darkest days, especially with the prophets, even in the darkest days, there was always a remnant. Just when you thought that all was lost and it was all darkness, there's a light that shines. And I love that in Isaiah. When the hope comes, it comes strong. This series of messages, again, is titled Sacred Locales. And last week, we went up onto the Holy Mountain, a mountain that had some twists and turns along the way, much like our lives as well as we pursue God. But on that Holy Mountain, it would be a future kingdom that would come that Jesus has already inaugurated, that we are longing for, that we are still waiting for, that peaceful, that hopeful kingdom, a place where uh, we will take our hammers and make our swords into plowshares, where man will learn war no more. In Isaiah 11 today, we find ourselves once again on that mountain, and we have some powerful prophetic words from Isaiah. And it's not necessarily one location on the mountain, but we have this analogy of a stump and a shoot coming out of the stump. Isaiah 11 begins with the claim that new life will spring forth from an injured stump. Did you catch the, the first verse? A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse. Jesse being the father of King David and the lineage of Jesus, and a branch will grow out of his roots. Something hopeful will spring forth from what all indications lead us to believe is dead. Growing up in Western North Carolina in Flat Rock, where I did, I referenced a picture of a lake that had significance last week that was a sacred locale for me. But growing up where I did, when dad built the house himself in around 1980, 
we lived, our house was in the middle of the woods and we had a stove and we used it during the winter and it's every year my dad cut down at least two trees, maybe three or four some years, depending on what he wanted to do. And so I grew up with dad doing that. So he built the house with cutting down as few trees as possible, knowing that in the coming years he would take he would make a backyard and he would clear out some places that I certainly enjoyed as a kid to be able to play. Um, but I enjoyed growing up in the woods and seeing a stump was not all that uncommon at all. It was very routine for me to be out in the yard and occasionally trip over those stumps. But what I found amazing that is as a kid and as I got older, some of those stumps that we thought were dead would begin to see growth. We would begin to see a shoot again coming out of what we thought was dead. Isaiah was the man for Israel. And in and around 700 BC, what Michelangelo was to the artist, Beethoven among the composers, Lincoln among the presidents, and Spurgeon among the preachers, Isaiah was among the prophets. There's a reason that he begins what is 17 books of prophets in the Old Testament. In chronological order, he would not have been the first prophet, but in order of prominence, and uh, notoriety, he should be the first prophet. He was outstanding in his field. Some might even say he was without equal. He was well-educated, he was well-spoken. I read somewhere this week that he was the Shakespeare of the prophets, if you will. He, like all the prophets, was called to deliver a message of repentance to God's people. A message that the majority didn't wanna hear, a message that only a few heard, but the people were living their lives and some had adopted the ways and the tactics of the surrounding nations. And the prophets, of all the prophets, their main goal was to call the people of God back to the heart of God. Some heeded that message and some did not. When Isaiah wrote what he wrote in Isaiah 11, the environment was anything but peaceful. And yet even in what many thought was in the past, dead and gone, life emerges once again. Like a shoot from what we all thought was a dead stump. This is the way of Israel's God. This is the way of our God as well. Bringing life from something that we think is gone, is hopeless, is dead. The year was 700 approximately, 700 BC, and the Jews had been fighting for roughly 40 years, fighting with the Assyrians and fighting with the Egyptians. All the kids had grown up with a weapon in one hand and a spear, or a spear in one hand and a sword in the other. From a time a kid was three years old, they were all doing and playing war games. Can you imagine 40 years of that kind of life? And that's the way it was for Isaiah. Isaiah was tired of it. He longed for peace. How we long for peace in our world today. It's hard for us to even fathom a world without a war. Isaiah was tired of war. But he had read the book of Genesis and he knew that humankind was created in the image of God. He knew that there was a better plan for the people of God. And therefore we are made to be, and he knew that mankind, that humankind was made to live at peace with one another. The prophet Isaiah had a dream much like that of, we hear Martin Luther King Jr. had a dream. Isaiah dreamed dreams of peace and he wrote the most beautiful words about peace in all of scripture. These words this week as I've read, on, read them over and over again are just absolutely amazing. Most of us know enough about wildlife to know that what we've read this morning in the text has incredible significance, incredible imagery for the people of God, for this future kingdom 
that Jesus has come to inaugurate. Let's, let's hear these words again. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp or the cobra. Can we even imagine that? Our little children playing with snakes. The weaned child shall put in its hand, shall put its hand on the viper's den. Can we imagine such a place? Isaiah knew how to get to peace. He knew the direction that the people of God needed to go. He knew how to create it. Yet for 700 years, people continued to fight with each other until the day that we're here celebrating and we'll continue to celebrate throughout December. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came to earth and actually walked in paths of peace. Jesus was a peacemaker. So today, we can either hear the words of Isaiah or listen to the words and follow the life of Christ and what it means to walk in paths of peace. Oh, how we long for paths of peace. As a way of pulling things together for today's message, I thought I would use something that many in the room are uh, deliberating and thinking about in the coming weeks is recipes and ingredients to go in those recipes. Uh, my wife often sends me to the grocery store to buy something that I have no idea where it is and I'm having to, it's something small, but she needs it because if she doesn't have it, it will change the entire recipe. So this morning, what I've done is what are some ingredients for peace based on today's text and based on the Advent season? What are some ingredients that are important for peace? And the first part of this recipe for peace is a person needs to be filled with the spirit of the prince of peace. In a chapter, a couple chapters before ours today, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we find these words that are often uttered in song, uttered in, uh, in ways at this time of the year. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. To have the very spirit of God inside of us when we choose to follow Christ, when we choose to set aside living for ourselves and say, God, I want to live for you. I put my faith and trust in your son, Jesus Christ. There is a spirit that comes in us that is the, the power, has the power of the Holy Spirit. It, it, it changes the way we think. It changes the way we behave. It changes maybe, well, it transforms us. The way we do our finances, the way we want to, to relate with people, and the way we want to serve our community and serve other people. This spirit lives within us. In verse 2 of today's text, um, talks about a Messiah that would be given a spirit of wisdom and understanding. It's a spirit of discernment that comes within us when we choose to follow Christ. It's a spirit of insight and inner strength, a spirit of wisdom and fear of the Lord. Verse 2 of Isaiah 11. The very spirit and compassion of God will live inside of us and will be the most important ingredient in pursuing paths of peace. If you haven't yet put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I urge you today to allow the Prince of Peace to come into your heart and into your life. And this will truly be a Christmas that you will never forget. The second ingredient, anytime the spirit of the Prince of Peace lives inside of us, it results in righteousness. Righteousness is the next ingredient. And righteousness deals with the ways that we relate to other people, the ways that we treat other people. Are we treating them in ways that the spirit of the Prince of Peace would be pleased with. I'm going to treat you right and you're going to be right with me. Righteousness always consists of a healthy dose 
of forgiveness. You can't have peace in any family without forgiveness. The spirit of the Prince of Peace inevitably motivates us to work towards righteousness, to having right relationships to whom all we relate. The thing about forgiveness, it always goes to those who don't deserve it, right? The spirit of peace begins with the Prince of Peace and it begins in living righteously. It begins in treating others and relating to others in ways that our God would be pleased. The third ingredient that I've included this morning, and we could certainly list others, is anytime the spirit of the Prince of Peace lives inside of, of you, it results, it results in justice. Justice is the last ingredient to peace. We cannot have peace without fairness and without equity. When the Prince of Peace is inside of you, you work for justice, for the poor, for the oppressed, for anyone who needs some assistance. If there is no justice, there is no peace. Justice always, justice always involves work. It's not easy. It takes time. It takes effort. Time that we could be spending in other directions. But justice doesn't naturally happen on its own. There's no shortcuts to God's peace. These are three ingredients that I mentioned this morning. The Prince of Peace inside of us, righteousness, and justice. The recipe isn't that complicated, but we, all, we need all three ingredients or it won't work. Isaiah, again, I referenced him as a dreamer. He was a dreamer of peace. How we love his visions, how we love his divine possibilities for our lives. Isaiah's chapter 11 may be the most beautiful dream of peace in all of scripture. As I think about the angels in Luke chapter two, a story that will be read Christmas Eve, the Christmas story, the birth of Christ, they were singing high above the shepherds. They sang peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Do you long for peace this morning? Do you need peace in your life this morning? Do you need peace maybe in your marriage? Peace in your home with your children? Peace with the distant family that will be coming in and visiting with you this Christmas? Do you long for peace in yourself? It's easy to, for me to talk about peace for 15, 20 minutes on a Sunday morning, but it may be some work that uh, needs to be done in relationships, maybe even with counseling. Maybe some conversations and prayer to God and, and, and a path that can begin to, that you can begin to move down that path to more peace. As I said earlier, as Christians, there are different ways that we are messengers of God's light. And one of those ways that we communicate God's love and God's light to the world around us is to be people of peace. As I conclude, I want to challenge the church family to do something. I meant to do this last week and I failed to do so. Last week, our theme was hope. And this week, that theme is peace. Next week, I believe it's joy and we have a cantata. And then um, the last week, of course, we have the Christ candle. And then love is the last Sunday before, before Christmas, the theme of love. But I want to encourage you to do something. Each of us in this room know uh, and have our own, well, we, we know the reality of the world in which we live. We know that it is a world that is in desperate need of hope. 
It's in desperate need of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's a world in desperate need of peace. You and I, as I look across the congregation, I think about all the different places that we can and do impact as far as our faith goes. When we think about the places where we work, and I look across and I see and think about where each of you land during the week in your respective places of employment, both here in Cleveland County and then some outside. What would it look like for us this next week? What would it look like for this future kingdom of God that Isaiah talks about? A world where, you know, we climb up God's sacred mountain and yet there's twists and turns along the way, but a, war, a world where there's no war, a, war, a world where we don't need to pursue methods of, of war anymore, a world where animals, even creation itself, is at peace. So what would that look like in the workroom where you work each day? How can you offer hope? How can you offer peace to those to whom you relate with every day. Some of you know some people where you work are going through some desperate times this Christmas. It's hard for them to put up the decorations and to have Christmas cheer because of the stuff that they're going through. Maybe with a relative or a spouse or a boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe with family, whatever it may be. We all know people who need hope. And we all know people who desperately need peace in their lives. And so I challenge you and I challenge myself this morning, what are ways that you and I, not in a corporate sense of how our church offers hope and peace, although we do that through our food pantry, we do it through many other means all week long, but what are ways that you individually can offer hope and offer peace to someone in your life this week who desperately needs a little hope and needs a little peace? Think about that, meditate that on that as we sing our closing hymn in just a moment. But we live in a world, again, that desperately needs hope and de desperately needs the peace of God. And even though we may be struggling with that some ourselves at times, that shouldn't hold us back from offering it to others. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the hope and the peace found in a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Lord, we read this vision of Isaiah and it's almost unfathomable, unimaginable when we think about a child playing by the hole of a, of a cobra, of a viper, where the wolf and the lamb can lie down together. Lord, we know this is a future promise of a future kingdom. But Lord, as your people, as children of God, you've called us to be about your kingdom work right now. And so Lord, that means in our homes, on our streets with our neighbors. That means at the workplace, at the coffee shop, at the restaurant, wherever it may be. Help us to be children of God and to live out what hope and peace looks like this Christmas season. Challenge us and move us in ways that are hopeful and peaceful, that we may share your light with others. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand and sing a very familiar Christmas carol, A Little Town of Bethlehem, hymn number 107. I invite you this morning, if you've never responded and put your faith and trust in the Prince of Peace, maybe you have, maybe you haven't followed through with baptism. I'd love to talk with you about that. Um, we'll be decorations and have a baptism before Christmas if needed. Uh, if you're here today and desire church membership, I invite you to come. Let's stand and sing together.
I'm going to invite you to be seated for just a moment, and Alan and Mary have something they'd like to share with us. It is with sincere sadness that this morning I announce my resignation as minister to youth at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Mary and I have discussed our future the last several months, and unfortunately, we feel that it is time to move on from our time here. This church ordained Mary and I into gospel ministry. This church has welcomed us and loved us for the last four years, and this church has made Boiling Springs feel like home. Mary and I will forever be grateful to this congregation for the lifelong friendships that have been made and the support of our ministry together. We feel that we have invested everything we could into the students, their families, and this congregation over the last four years. And none of what we have been able to do is possible without the support of a loving congregation and of course a loving God. Mary and I appreciate your prayers as we move forward into whatever God is calling us to. We look forward to moving in closer proximity to both of our families and seeing where God is leading each of us in ministry and in other endeavors. Many of you have been very accommodating in the last several months and encouraging us to remain here, and we are truly grateful for your generosity and encouragement. Mary and I believe that it is time for us as soon-to-be graduates to move on to a new phase of life as we pursue full-time careers. While undoubtedly there have been challenging seasons, Mary and I are truly amazed by our time here in Boiling Springs and with this church. Our final Sunday at Boiling Springs Baptist will be December 29th, 2019, and the final day that I will be here for work is December 31st, 2019. We covet your prayers as we move forward, and please know that Boiling Springs Baptist Church will always hold an extremely special place in our hearts. The relationships which have been formed here will last forever, and we genuinely would be honored to remain in touch with this congregation and its people always. We love you, and with as much sincerity as possible, we thank you. We want to be in prayer for Alan and Mary as they begin this new season of ministry, season of life. The church family will have an opportunity to express your thanks, our thanks for their time here. Most likely that will be on December the 29th and some details need to be worked out there. But I do want to assure our youth and youth families that the personnel committee and I will uh, be vigilant about a short-term and long-term plan as far as what that will look like for our youth in the coming weeks, in the coming months. But I know you will want to take an opportunity to speak to Alan and Mary today, uh, but uh, keep them in your prayers and our church in your prayers as we navigate uh, these next several weeks and months ahead. Let's close today with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for this service. We thank you for all the things that and all the ways you have spoken to us, the ways you've challenged us to be people of hope and people of peace. Father, we do pray for our church family. We do pray for Mary and Alan at this significant time in their lives. 
Lord, they would, we pray that they would feel love and they would feel encouragement from this church family. We do pray that you would continue to lead and guide them always in their future pursuits. Thank you for what they've offered to Bowling Springs Baptist Church. We thank you for your presence with us today. Bless us now as we leave this place, as we seek to be people, children of God, who share a message of hope and a message of peace wherever we may go. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.